You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. We're going to go back to King David, where we ended last Wednesday in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 and 39. We'd already gone through the first part of that, but now we're going to look at the rest of that story. It said, so Saul clothed David with his armor. Everybody say his armor. And put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Next verse. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. You know, a lot of times, guys, when we go into a certain situation, other people want us to wear their armor. They want us to do it the way they do it. David, I like what he's, the word here, it says tested. Man, I, I don't have any proof that this works for me. But he had proof what really worked for him was trusting God. This is Saul's way. Saul, Saul as, we, as we know, was the king, but we know that David was going to take his place. Saul was so carnal. He always turned to the carnal, always turned to what he could do in the natural. He didn't even trust his armor. He didn't go out and face Goliath. He didn't even trust it, but he wanted David to. He wanted to bring David to his level, and thank God for King David's boldness. You know, most people would say, well, okay, that's what you want me to do. You know, I'll just do it this way, and I'll just tough it out. No, David said, listen, I can't, I can't fight in this armor. I don't know how to do it. I've not tested it. It's not proven it works for me. It might have worked for you, but you didn't even put it on and go fight this giant. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm not doing this in the natural. I, I beat the lion and the bear in the spiritual, and I, I beat it in the spiritual before I beat it in the natural, and I'll beat this giant in the spiritual before I beat it in the natural. And he said, get this off of me. I'm not wearing this out there. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it God's way. People will offer you various ways to accomplish something. It's amazing to me how some people will give you counsel that's never even, they had never even proven it themselves. Saul did not prove that that armor could beat Goliath, but he wanted David to use it. And others will give you counsel that have no proof that the counsel that they're giving you has even worked for them. They haven't even tested it and proven the method themselves, for themselves, but they want you to use it. Guys, when you're walking in the spirit of faith, you have to be really sensitive to the spirit of God to be sensitive to these kind of moments right here. Because it was a privilege for the king to offer you his armor. And, and again, David could have said, man, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to hurt the king's feelings. But David's just like, man, sir... I've not, I can't walk in this armor. I can't use this. I haven't tested it, man. I, I, I don't feel comfortable in it. He just, he just stood up and said, man, I can't do it the way you want me to do it. Someone say amen. amen. Not everybody's method, not everybody's uh, way of processing something's going to be the exact same. I know people, and especially when it comes to physical healing, I mean, they have a confidence in what, uh, medical science can do, but they still have faith in God. You know, I always say this, medical science is a crutch, but Jesus is the cure. And you, you use the crutch till you what? Till you what? Don't eat it anymore. And so you use the crutch 
until you get the cure. Someone say amen. But it's just a crutch. It's just a crutch. Now, if you put your faith in the crutch, you'll need the crutch your whole life. But you don't put your faith in the, you trust the crutch, but you don't put your faith in the crutch. You put your faith in the cure, in the one who brings the cure, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so, David's like, I'm not going to put my faith in something that you have not even proven, that I have not proven. I'm gonna, I, I have already fought a lion and the bear the way I know how. In, with faith in God and this slingshot. I have proven that my faith in God and this slingshot works. But I have not proven your armor or your sword works for me. I'm going to do it the way I, the, I have confidence in, in my slingshot ability. And I have faith in my God to win this battle. And so that's the stand he takes. That's the stand he takes. What verse did we just put up there? Was that 38 and 39? Okay. So what, what I want to show you here too is that not only is Saul, but we've looked at it before last Wednesday, that all of the other men of Israel, all the other soldiers, all the other warriors, they're all afraid. They're all afraid. And a, and a lot of fear, guys, comes out of disobedience. Lack of preparation. When you disobey, 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 disobey God, and you got to face a giant, man, you don't have any confidence. And I'll show you how that worked and how that started. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Next verse. Then the Lord... God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Next verse. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was. A lot of people think that Adam was ashamed. I'm sure there was some shame associated with it because of what he says, because I was naked and hid myself. But it wasn't shame that drove him to hide. It was fear. Guys, disobedience brings fear and doubt. A lot of people aren't prepared for the battles that come in their life because they live a life of disobedience. And so that disobedience constantly brings fear and doubt into their life. It is so vital that we obey the Lord, God's word. Because when we obey God's word, it brings a confidence. It brings a confidence. It's like, it's like practicing something. You know, it's like being in practice. You know, and you know you practiced hard and you practiced not just hard, you practiced smart and you practiced right so that when the moment comes to perform in the game, you're prepared. You're just prepared. I, I remember my son Garrett, he would, I would hear him at midnight. I'd wake up and I'd hear this thump, 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 thump. And I'd be like, what is that? And I started looking around the house, and I opened the garage door. I figured it was coming outside, and Garrett's in the, he's in the driveway shooting. Shooting free throws, dribbling, shooting at midnight. He'd be out there sometimes at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd leave him out there. I'd shut the garage door and leave him out there. If he wanted to practice and he was that dedicated, I remember one time he was under great pressure in a basketball game, and the, all the, the fans are cheering against him, and they're booing him, and they're taunting him and everything. And Garrett, Garrett comes up to the line, looks at him, drains the free throw. Then he blows a kiss to him. <laughs> Steps up and drains another one. 
Let me, I remember that. <laughs> Was you there, Michelle, when he did that? Yeah, at Mountain View. Hey, listen, there's a confidence co that comes from knowing you did what you were supposed to do before the moment showed up. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've, Adam has rebelled against God. Eve was deceived, but Adam rebelled. And he knows he's been disobedient. What comes? Fear. Now he's afraid. Now he's afraid. Now he, he doesn't want to face God. He doesn't want to face any moment. Because now his confidence has been stripped from him. This is a man that walked in the garden with God face to face every day. Now he's afraid. Disobedience always breeds fear. When you know you're not doing things right, it robs you. It robs you of a confidence before God in your prayers. We all know that. We all know that we come on, we go, oh, man. God, I'm sorry. I know I haven't obeyed you. And it, immediately our confidence is drained out of us because of our disobedience. It's so important that we obey the Lord. David had such great confidence because he was so obedient. He was, not, he was obedient to God, and because he was obedient to God, he was obedient to his, his father. His father sent him out into the field, and David pretty much lived in the field almost his whole life, since he was old enough to take care of the sheep. He lived out there with the sheep. We know that because of several circumstances that happened. One, when, when the prophet came to anoint the new king of Israel, his dad didn't even call him in from the field. He was out in the field, didn't even bother to call him in. We know David spent... Almost all of his time, we know that he, was a, that he loved the sheep and he took care of the sheep. We know he was the one that had to kill the lion and the bear to protect the sheep. He didn't say his brothers did. David did. Why? Because David was obedient. And because he was obedient, he had this confidence. He had this confidence to go before God and to trust God. And let me say something. It doesn't say David was perfect because we know he was not. But he was obedient. He was obedient. Not perfect, but obedient. And because of his obedience, he had great confidence before Goliath. A confidence that none of the rest of them had. But David had it. He had it. And God, God took him. We, we know the story. Most of us know the story. If you don't, God, he killed a lion, then he killed a bear, and then he killed a giant. God didn't take him one day to go kill a giant. Little by little, God takes us forward. But if you don't kill the bear, if you don't kill the, the lion or the bear, you're not going to be able to kill the, the giant. And if, you don't, if you're not obedient to what God has told you to do, you'll never have the confidence to kill the lion or the bear. And so when you face the giant, you won't have confidence for that either. Some will say amen. So God wants to encourage us, listen, Wherever you're at right now, whatever he's dealing with you at right now, whatever issue, be obedient. Be obedient. I guarantee you, all of us in this room at one time or another said something happened, and you go like, I knew that was going to happen. How did we know? How did we know it was going to happen? Because we knew we were doing things that set that up. We knew we were doing things... Listen, when I get pulled over for speeding, it, it's not a shock. I'm not like, wow, man. Usually I've been speeding for months before I get pulled over. 
Don't you guys look at me like you're all saints. You, we, we get caught one out of a thousand times we probably speed, right? But I'm not shocked. I'm not like, wow. I'm not calling anybody. Gosh, you can't believe what happened to me. And I pulled over speeding. If I called anybody that knew me and said that, they'd all laugh like you're laughing. Like, duh. Of course you did. Right? And so, guys, that we, we, we're not shocked when we disobey and things happen to our bodies. Or things happen to our finances. We know we've been disobedient. People know they've been not good stewards of their finances or haven't tithed or haven't honored the Lord. People know they haven't stewarded their bodies well. They know it. People know you haven't stewarded. I, I, I get people all the time that relationships are falling apart. Now all of a sudden they got this great realization of changes they should have made. I should have. I should. I'm like, yeah. Are you shocked you're here? You act surprised. You didn't take care of your husband. You didn't take care of your wife. And you didn't change. You didn't grow. And now all of a sudden you act like you're shocked that you're in this situation. Guys, disobedience brings fear and doubt, and, and we're not prepared. When we're disobedient and we're walking in fear and doubt, we're not prepared for the giant. Saul and the men have been disobedient, so they're all afraid because they have disobeyed God. They have not honored God. And now they're all afraid, and they cannot face the circumstances that are in front of them. And it's costing them, it's costing their family, and it's costing their nation. It's costing their nation. Does that sound familiar? It's costing our nation. Not the disobedience of the world. Man, I don't expect anything from a sinner but to sin. I mean, people act like they're shocked that sinners sin. I'm like, really? Because when I was one, I, I don't think anybody was shocked. I wasn't shocked that I was sinning, that I was up to no good. Man, I don't know why anybody be shocked. It's not, it's not the people who don't know God that are accountable. It's those that do. God wants us to be obedient. It's his kids he holds accountable. We're the one impacting the nation. Yeah, sin is rising because his kids aren't obedient. But when we, are, when we become obedient in our day-to-day -day lives, not perfect, but obedient, when we become obedient, and that means, what, what that means is, is when you're not, when you do sin, you run to God, not away from God, and you obediently ask for forgiveness, and you obediently repent. That means you invite change into your life to not repeat that again. And you don't keep setting yourself up for failure. You don't keep setting yourself up to fail by continuing to put yourself in situations to fail. You run from it, and you run to God. That's obedience. So we're obedient, and we don't sin, but when we do, we're obedient, and we run to God. We ask Him to help us and change us and give us the strength and the ability to change to not keep doing this. That's what I mean by obedient. And when you're obedient like that consistently, there is greater confidence in you that you can go before the Father and say, God, I'm facing a giant now. And you're not, you're not caught up in fear and dread because you know 
You know, have you ever watched those TikTok videos of those dogs that do stuff at the house and they catch them? If you've never watched those, those are funny. I don't have TikTok, but my wife shows me these. And then one lady walked in the house and they got in the trash. Those dogs looked so guilty. They were off in a corner hiding and their heads were down. And I mean, they just looked, and they're like, did you tear up the trash can? You, I mean, they, were, they had guilt all over them, man. You could tell they were disobedient. And they were fear, They were hiding. Sound familiar? He's hiding because he's afraid because he's been disobedient. And now he doesn't have a confidence, the confidence that he had before to walk before God and with God is gone. Fear has come in. Fear comes in. But I've got good news. You can, you can repent for that and say, God, help me to be obedient. Help me to be obedient in what you're dealing with me right now. A lot of people say, well, I'll, okay, the next time something comes up. No, 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 don't go next time. Go this time. What, what is God dealing with you right now to change? What is he dealing with you right now to be obedient with? Just start being obedient with that. And, and I've got other good news for you. He helps us. He helps us be obedient. We don't do it on our own. We have the power, everybody say the power, of the Holy Spirit to help us. We have the power of his word to help us to be obedient. And, and if you've been a Christian very long and overcome anything, you know he helped you do it. And he'll help you do this, what you need to do now, so that you do have a confidence before God. You have a confidence in your prayers. You have a confidence when you speak the word, like David did. Go with me back to 1 Samuel 17, verse 43 through, uh, through 51. You guys are awesome on this. You guys have been incredible doing this on the screen uh, the last several weeks. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, Satan's always going to treat you like a punk. He's going to treat you like you're nothing and try to convince you that you are. Like, <laughs> I'm Lucifer. Who are you? Well, I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God, and i got authority over you in the name of Jesus. That's who I am. See, that's basically what David says to Goliath. But Goliath is a type of Satan, and he's a, he's a symbol of how Satan conducts his affairs in the spirit and in the natural, and he'll challenge you. He'll call you stuff that you're not. Is David a dog? No. But if Goliath can convince him that he's nothing but a little puppy dog and insignificant, and he believes it, then he's one. It's kind of like with Jesus and the, the three temptations. The first one, he says, if you are the son of God, again, questioning his identity. Goliath is already questioning David's identity. Already questioning. You come to me with sticks. He doesn't even have a stick, David. He's got a rock, not a stick. I mean, Satan's a liar. He'll misconstrue anything. And if David would have believed him, he'd have looked and go, oh, man, I am just a little, I'm, I'm insignificant. I can't beat this giant. If he believes it. If you believe you're insignificant and that you can't stand against the enemy in your life, then he'll treat you like that. He'll treat you like you're insignificant. But you're not insignificant. 
We are the sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. We have a Lord and King. Let's keep reading. Next verse. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And Satan says that. I'm going to win. I'm going to beat you. He's a, he's a trash talker. I, I can beat you. I'm going to beat you. I, but I'm going to say something about his words. Satan's words have no power unless you allow them to have power. Unless you believe them. If you believe his lies, if, if David believes it, oh my gosh, his knees start knocking. He's killing me. He's going, I'm going to be out here and birds are going to be feeding on my flesh. And a lot of times we face circumstance situations and the enemy begins to speak in these circumstances, speak through people like he does Goliath, speak through situations, and we back off. We get scared. We get scared and we yield the ground. We yield the ground. You know what ground we yield? It's victory. We stand on, Jesus put us on the ground called victory. The only way Satan can get it from us is if we relent and give it to him. He cannot just take it. We have to, we have to yield it. And so David could believe this or not believe it. We know what David did. Next verse. Then David said to the Philistine, let me say something about this. Faith always speaks. Faith always speaks faith. Faith always speaks faith. Let me say it again. Faith always speaks faith. Faith. And that's what he does here. He speaks faith. Satan speaks. David speaks. What's David say? You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Now David's speaking truth. He has a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He didn't say anything about his crutch. He didn't say anything about a slingshot. Why? Because David understands what we need to understand. You have to win the spiritual fight to win the natural fight. David just won the spiritual battle. So the natural battle was going to, so the, the things in the natural were going to change because he spoke the things in the spiritual that he already knew was happening. Otherwise, hold on a second, buddy. I come at you in the what did he say? In the name of the Lord of hosts. I come, I come at you in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is already Lord at this time. He's the Lord of the host. He's like, I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of hosts. The name of my God. He takes authority in the spirit. He takes authority in the spirit. So the spirit backing Goliath now knows it's over. Next verse. This day, who will deliver you into my hand? Who does the delivering? The Lord. Whose hand does he deliver him into? Ours. 
Our hand. He delivers victories into our hand. Our Lord does. His confidence is not in his slingshot. His confidence is not in Saul's armor. His confidence is in God to win the battle. His faith is in our Father's ability. He has such tremendous, can you, guys, just picture this for a moment. You have thousands of Philistines and thousands of Jews arrayed in battle, like you see in movies. You have a giant, eight, nine-foot giant coming out, defying them day after day, which they cower down to. And then a teenage boy with no armor. No armor shows up and says, I'm going to kill him. He said, but first I want to know three times, what do I get for killing him? I love David. Tell me again. He asked three times. Hey, hey, you. His, his brother tries to dog him about it. He said, David, what are you doing? You're just blah, 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 questioning his motives and everything. And David just turns his back on him and says, hey, you over there. What do I get for killing this guy? He just goes about his, he just ignores him and goes about his business. Well, you get, you get no taxes on your family for life. You marry the princess. Man, you're going to be a prince. You're going to go from the shepherd boy stinking in the field to the print, to the castle. David's like, that sounds pretty good to me. Listen, there's always a blessing at the end of victory. There's always at the blessing, there's always a blessing when you stand up at the end of victory. So David, <laughs> David says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Man, I like that. That all the earth may know. He didn't say he was just going to kill Goliath. Goliath said, I'm going to kill you and you're gonna, the birds are going to feed on you. He said, not only are the birds going to feed on you, it's going to feed on your whole army, buddy. I'm, we're whooping you all today. Why? Because he knew that in the spiritual realm, God gave him power and God gave him authority. God gave him power and God gave him authority. Acts chapter 1 says, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem because I'm about to give you, anybody know? Power. 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 I'm about to give you power. He said, wait in Jerusalem in the New Testament because I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that David's talking about and the same authority. Jesus said in Mark 16, I give you authority in my name over every unclean spirit, over every sickness and disease. In my name you shall do these things. I give you power and authority to do it. David had confidence in God's power and authority to speak this and it to happen because he was obedient. I said because he was obedient. It gave him a confidence and, and he knew because of his obedience he'd already killed the lion and bear. Because of his obedience he already knew he had victory. He knew he had victory. He had such a confidence. And, and guess what? He said, this victory is going to be complete. I'm not, we're not only whooping you, Goliath. We're, whooping, we're going to feed the whole, this whole army better get ready. Everybody on your side is in trouble because you're on the wrong side of God. And I'm on the right side of God. Amen? 
And then he said something real important at the end of that. All the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Does the earth not need to know there's a God in Roswell? Does, does your family members who don't know Jesus, do they need to know there's a God in your house? Do they need to know there's a God in church on the move? Do they need to know there's a God in this valley? Do they need to know there's a God in New Mexico? And that he's not their false God, he is the God. He is the God. He needs to know that by us. We need to operate in the authority, the power and the authority that God's given us to speak, to speak his word and for it to come to pass. I know people have tried. The seven sons of Sceva, seven sons of, a, of an exorcist, a Jewish exorcist, went to a demon and spoke, spoke the right words in the name of Jesus. We implore you to go. And that demon said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. I do not know you. See, Satan knows when you're just, you think you're speaking. He knows the difference between when you think you're speaking and when we, you really have the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows because those seven sons of Sceva were not submitted to the lordship of Christ. They were not his kids. They were not his disciples. They were not his followers. Satan knows the difference. The whole spiritual realm knows the difference. Whether you carry that power and that authority or whether you do not. The spiritual realm knows. Just like those demons, Satan, and all those behind Goliath and the Philistines, those demons took off running way before Goliath and the Philistines fell. They took off right then. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. And all the earth knew there is a God in Israel. You don't think that attracted people to come to say, I want to know the one true God. I want to know the God of David who killed Goliath and the Philistines. You don't think people came from other parts of the world? They did. They came from other parts of the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon, to see the glory of God in the temple, to see the God that defeated Egypt, that drowned the Egyptians in the sea, to see the God that defeated the Philistines, to see the God of the people of God. And the whole world needs to see it now. But we need to understand the power and authority he has given us because he's given us great power and great authority. Great power and great authority. We know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. Jesus cut his head off and he carried that head with him everywhere he went. Do you know he took that head everywhere? He took his armor, put it in his room. We talked about that. But he also took his head everywhere he went. When they got, they went to they went to Goliath's hometown. We talked about that some last week. Do you know what David did? He rode up to the gates of that city and he pulled Goliath's head out and held it up. He held up his cut off head. Man, you're talking about saved but not soft. He was saved, but he's not soft. We're saved, but we're not soft. He held up Goliath's head and they shuddered in fear and yielded. Because victories beget victories, beget victories, beget victories. When you have the confidence, the faith in God that he's given us power and authority. Same power and authority David operated by is the same power and authority we have except we have a better covenant than David. We have a covenant based on the 
on the holy blood of Jesus. He had the covenant of bulls and goats. It's not even comparable to the covenant we have with God. It's not even comparable. We have a blood covenant with God. I said we have a blood covenant with God. I, I wasn't going to speak on this, but I am going to share just a moment before we go on. But when they used to do blood covenants, they would, they would actually they'd show them in old movies, they'd cut their hands, but they'd actually cut across their wrist. And they would grab each other like this, and they would mingle that blood, and they'd make a blood covenant. Blood covenants have been around a long, long time. And the, the term blood is thicker than water. That doesn't mean that your family ties are thicker than, I don't know, whatever water would be in that sense. It actually means that blood covenants you have are thicker than the water of the womb. Otherwise, you're going to be closer to some people by blood covenant than you are by family. Why? Because you didn't choose your family, but you're choosing this covenant. And it's a blood covenant. There's an exchange of blood. And when you exchange blood like that, what you're saying is, is everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. Jesus has all power and all authority. Amen? He has all power and all authority, right? And he said, I'm making a blood covenant with you. And he said, in my name, you have power and you have authority. Everything I have is his. Everything he has is mine. That's a blood covenant. And they would cut themselves, and that scar when it healed was a constant reminder of the blood covenant. That's why Jesus showed Thomas when he said, you think it'd be enough for Thomas. He walks through a wall, but he said, Thomas, put your hands through, put your finger through my, the holes in my hands and the holes in my feet. Put your hand in my side. Why? Because those scars testify of the blood covenant that he made with us. In the Old Testament, the scar of the men was circumcision. Was circumcision. So they were constantly reminded by their circumcision that they had bore a scar of the covenant with God. Now, God says in the New Testament, I have circumcised your hearts. What I believe, we were just talking about this. I wasn't going to teach this today, but I've studied this today. We were just talking about this. I believe that in the spiritual realm, because he said he circumcised our heart, and the outward circumcision bears a scar, bears a mark, that somehow in the spirit, when angels and demons, when the spiritual realm looks at us, they see the mark. They see the scar. They see the scars on Jesus, and they see the scar in your spirit. And they go, oh my gosh, this person has a covenant. David knew he was circumcised. He knew he was circumcised. He knew he had a blood covenant with God. He bore the scar. I believe spiritually we bear the scar of the covenant of God. We're the covenant people of God. That's why we say we're the blood-bought people. Because that blood is thicker than the water of the womb. That's why some of you are closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ than you are your own family. Because that blood is thicker than the water of the womb. It's a blood covenant. And when you have a blood covenant, whatever, whatever you enter with blood covenant, whoever you enter with that with, everything they have 
is yours. That's why God said, I meet all your needs according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus, the one who bears the scars and the one who bled the blood. And so now, in that covenant, he naturally gives you his power and authority in his name because you have a blood covenant. Anything you, should, anything you have should be dedicated to the Lord. Your car, your house, your body, your mind, your marriage, your children, everything you have should be dedicated. That's why Abraham took Isaac. He's like, I'm in a blood covenant with God. If he asks for my son, then I, I, I have to give it. I have to give it. I have to. I'm in a blood covenant. He'd already had a blood covenant with God. I have to give whatever God asks of me. Whatever his, whatever's mine is his, and whatever his is mine. Well, you're talking about an unequal exchange. That's why God said all of his promises are. I, he's waiting for his people to say amen and mean it. Like, God, everything I have is yours. You, do you want my house? I'll give it to you. you want, whatever I have is yours. My mind, my mouth, my, my body, my, my work of my hands, my labor, everything I have is dedicated to you. You want it? I'll give it to you. Because he's already said everything he has is ours. He already said all of my promises are yes. He's waiting for us to say the so be it, the amen. Amen, let it be true, God, that I'm in a covenant with you. Now all the power and authority that you have You've also given to me. In your name I can speak. In your name I can win. I come at you, Satan. I come at you, sickness and disease. I come at you, lack. I come at you, divorce. I come at you, this. I come at you, that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, my King. Man, oh man, oh man, I'm, we'll get to the rest of this next Wednesday. Oh, it's so good. Go with me to Acts, though. I want to read this. I want to read what I quoted earlier, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, I believe it's verse 8. But I promise you this, Jesus speaking to us, the church. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be seized with power. I prom he said, I promise you this, the Holy Spirit, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the, the apostles and the all the disciples in there. All of you stay in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you will be seized with power, His power. I want you to say this, if you will. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to ask you to say before I ask you to say it, because I want you to think about it before you say it. I'm going to ask you to say this with me. I am not powerless. Uh, not yet. I was just telling you what I was going to ask. You guys are ready. I'm going to ask you to say it three times. I am not powerless. Here we go. Here we go. On three. One, two, three. I am not powerless. I am not powerless. I am not powerless. 
Now I'm going to ask you on the count of three to say, because Jesus has given me power. One, two, three. Because Jesus has given me power. Because Jesus has given me power. Because Jesus has given me power. You are not powerless. <laughs> Praise be to God. Listen, every eye closed. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here tonight. You're not powerless. Let me say it again. You are not powerless. The only way you can be powerless is if you've not really yielded your life to Jesus. You've not surrendered your life and really made a blood covenant with Him. To make a blood covenant, I have to commit and surrender all of my life to Him. He's already submitted all His life, and, and He's already shed the blood. The blood is already there. He's already made a commitment. He already bears the scars of the covenant. And He offers it as a gift to you and me. But in order to receive it and actually be in that covenant, that covenant promise, that relationship with God that is eternal, it's eternal. It's eternal. It's not just for now. It's forever. We have a choice to make. We have a decision to make. Are we going to surrender all as He has surrendered all? He surrendered all for us. His whole life. His holy blood. His holy blood. He bears scars on His body to this day and for eternity of the covenant that He made with us. Now, will you surrender your whole life and bear the scar in your heart that your, your heart, your life, your heart represents your life is surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not making a promise to be perfect as He is perfect. But you're making a promise to be obedient in how you act and how you repent how you ask for forgiveness, how you change, how you grow, how you mature. And you're surrendering all to Him. You're surrendering it all to Him. I promise you, we're the beneficiaries of that covenant. He benefits because He saves us, and that's he, he loves us so much. He created us. He loves us. We're His creation. We're, we're His. We're his oh, man. He loves what He created. He breathed life into us. And He wants to save us, but He won't make us be saved. That's what I love about God. It's one of many things. Is that He's not a control freak. He wants a partnership. He wants a relationship. And there's no doubt He's the one in authority. There's no, also no doubt that He shares His authority with us. That He gives us His power and authority on the earth.
He shares all that he has with us. Will you share all that you have with him? If you've never surrendered your life, this is, this is an incredible moment. I mean, the presence of God was here during worship. He's here right now. His manifest presence. He's always here, but he's, I can sense it. I can feel his presence. He manifests through the Holy Spirit and the sweetness of the, the Holy Spirit so sweet in here. He's wooing, man. He's calling. He's calling some of you. Some of you have even come to church for a long time. You know there's parts of your life you have not surrendered. All that you have is not His. But you have another chance. He's, he's a God of another chance. So if you've never prayed or you prayed and you've been holding out, You've been holding out, surrendering those things to Him. Either one of those. And you want to pray and get this right with God tonight? Let's do it. Online, if that's you, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to send us a message saying, I, whatever that note is, whatever that is there, to say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. And I mean it. I'm surrendered. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high, boldly, and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to mean it. And I'm going to run to Him. I'm going to run to Him. I'm going to run with Him, for Him, and to Him the rest of my life. rest of my life I'm going to walk in his blessings and his purpose and, I, and I'm going to give them away they're going to, they're going to go to me and through me I'm going to live a life of being blessed and blessing others that's you let's pray now so here we go on the count of three raise your hand here send that message online one two three just do it now thank you golly all around this room god bless you so many that's incredible thank you guys you can put all those hands down i see them all it's incredible thank you i see both hands let's all pray Let's pray together. Say this and just be sincere. Just be sincere. Say, God, I believe you love me. You sent Jesus to die for my sins on a cross. He paid my price. And I believe it. You raised him from the dead. And he's alive. I believe that too. And I ask you now to forgive me of all my sins. 
And I receive your forgiveness. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life now and forever. You surrendered your life for me. I surrender my life to you. And I enter into a blood covenant that whatever I have is yours. And whatever you have is mine. Thank you. Thank you. Teach me now how to live for you. To walk in your blessings, your power, and your authority for your honor. Building your kingdom, not my own. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for his goodness. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.